Have you been zombified by screens? I mean, has, is anyone not at this yeah. point? <laughs> we are all zombified by screens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screens in our pockets, screens in the movie theater, screens, our television screens. Yeah, everywhere. So yeah, yeah, and and sometimes both. Sometimes I'll be watching a movie with my kids, and they'll have their phones out, and I'll have my phone out. So screens on top of screens. Wow. So. Welcome to the Zombified Podcast, your source for fresh brains. I'm your host, Athena Ectipus, psychology professor at ASU and chair of the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. And I'm your co-host, Dave Lundberg-Henrik, media outreach program manager at Arizona State University and screen enthusiast. <laughs> screens, so, brains. Exactly. <laughs> so, the intersection of brains and screens. I think that's our eyeballs, but yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so who are we talking to today? Today we are talking with Ilana Ryan, who is a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about lots of different aspects of screens. We talk about our personal experience with sort of dealing with that tension of how much do you put of your own life onto other people's screens. We talk about how your own life can inspire filmmaking. Uh -huh. Because for Ilana, a lot of her experiences with her uh, family, and especially with her mom who had Alzheimer's, really influenced her filmmaking. Interesting. Yeah, so we take a personal and kind of philosophical approach to all of these complex issues around how we grapple with screens and film and content that we are sharing with the world more broadly. Cool. Now, uh, what is your favorite part of today's episode? My favorite part of today's episode is how Ilana really shares a lot of intimate details about her life and her family in a, a way that m makes you feel like she's, you know, your, your neighbor, your best friend, like you're just sitting down and having a conversation with someone who's really willing to talk about deep issues. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So let's hear from this week's Fresh Brain, Ilana Ryan. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you. Makes me act the way I do. I'm not trying to be over-analytical. Retracing time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so just to start, would you um, introduce yourself in your own words? I mean, we know each other. Actually, you know, I think of all the people I've ever interviewed or had on the show, I've known you for the longest. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because I was, what, like 13 or 13. something when we met? So That's probably right. So we go way, way back. Through many phases yes, of exactly. our personal evolution. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, so yeah, Alana, who are you now? <laughs> who am I now? <laughs> wow. Well, um, I am a filmmaker, a director and screenwriter, and um, I'm also a mom. 
a photographer. I live in Los Angeles. I was born and raised in New York City. And um, I make movies and photographs out here in L.A. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, so we, you know, we talked a little bit before the show just about the idea for Zombified. And, you know, it's all about, like, these things that affect our behavior, things that maybe hijack us, manipulate us mm-hmm. without us realizing it, mm-hmm. um, or maybe with us realizing it. And, um, you know, movies, hmm. the screen. Oh, like, boy. The screen. The screen. Yes. That's kind of a big one, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's huge. And it's actually something I personally wrestle with, It, if not daily, multiple times a day. I am confronted with... Um, the fact that I'm a media creator, that I actually love movies, I enjoy making things for screen, yet I see um, how the screen has evolved in my lifetime, and really just since, um, I don't know, post-college, just everyone has a phone, um, people are watching movies on their phone, so I've got children where uh, who are constantly wanting to be on the screen yeah much like most kids so i find myself saying you know you've got to stop this and i have a keen awareness that people are getting addicted to screens meanwhile i really want everyone to watch my movie that's coming out and like on their screen so yes I, it's, it's, it's a bit of an uneasy relationship. And yeah. in some way, when I was a photographer, it was much more simple because photographs are viewed, uh, were viewed traditionally um, on a wall in a gallery or a museum or in a book. More like it, they were spread much uh, wider to mass audiences through books. But now it's just content on Instagram. Now it's content on Instagram. And that's something I was also never comfortable with. Um, I, I see so many people really giving away their art. Uh, fine trained, uh, fine art trained photographers and artists putting all their stuff on Instagram. And um, often... And it, it strikes me as, as just giving away too much, the, the immediacy. And I, I miss um, the books. I miss the slowness. I miss how art can actually just slow us down. Mm. And, and it, I feel like it should slow us down to reflect. And I feel like the mediums of the screens are all about speeding things up. Oh, that's interesting. So the the change that you've seen is is not just like screens sort of invading more and more of our lives, but actually the kind of content on them changing so that it is more sort of fast paced and like yeah grabbing and re-grabbing your attention all the time. Exactly. And that as artists perhaps now are expected to just be creating constantly. Um if you have a if you have an artist page, you know, or a blog, you have to always be producing. And I know I have several friends who are resisting that because it goes against the nature of their creative process. I mean, there are some people who can just like produce, produce, produce. I mean, even before mm-hmm. Instagram, there were painters, you know, painting a week and you know, they were just doing it. It was just frenetic and 
yeah. you know, maybe they die at 50 of a heart attack. I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, so much of the creative process, I feel, could be in danger because we are expected to be so out there and have such a presence and create constantly. Yeah. And I think this yeah, this will lead me into the whole zombified thing yeah, because yeah. because I feel like part of my process is um, are the days when I just need to take stuff in and and have be in, input you know yeah. have the inputs coming in and um, that can be from a walk or strangely the weirdest one is when I go to a mall. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's not to shop. It's not to buy anything. And... So, wait, what do you do when you go to the mall? I I watch people. And lately, I've been just watching people be on their phones. Really? Yeah. And when, and when, <laughs> and when I see people that aren't, I, like, make really quick eye contact with them. And they look at me. And it's almost like we've, like, picked ourselves out. Like, we're the... You know, the not zombies. The, the not world. zombies. Yeah, we're the survivors. We're the humans. <laughs> you survived the smartphone zombie apocalypse. Right. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. Like, oh, okay, there you're in front of, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch waiting for your girlfriend and you're not on your phone. What a weird sight that is. Hmm. Um, but no, there's something about just going to the mall, and I don't do this a lot. It's just merely one little function of a day and a possible yeah. creative day. Um, that's that's numbing. There's something numbing about them all that the lighting and the canned music and the uh, cheery, the cheeriness of the salespeople. Like I know how to work them. I know how to talk to them to get like certain reactions and not like I'm manipulating them, uh -huh. but I just feel like it's like a place where I can just like, there are no surprises. Huh. So what do you what you what do you get from that? Like from the numbness of the mall I, that I, feeds the creative process. People around mm -hmm. me. Um because in New York, what I would do I, I could just walk outside in New York and be around a lot of people and sort of just blend in and just feel like, okay, I'm part of this earth, I'm gonna observe. I mean, a lot of my writing comes from just watching people and observing watching mannerisms, listening to how couples talk to each other, sit in a cafe and, and just observe and, and listen. And um, here in LA, you know, we're in the hills here and I see my neighbors, but you know, I might see like a person walking their dog and we talk, it's not my dog, but it's not the crowd, it's not the commons. So in town, mm -hmm. in so much of America, the commons is, is the mall. And we've got this fake city. I wish I could take you there. Yeah. It's, it's like the simulacrum of a city. It's an outdoor mall with apartments all around the shopping area and a fountain. And people actually live there, but they're living above like, a Barney's co-op or, or, you know, wow. a Madewell, not 
like the shoemaker or grocery store. Right, it's right. Like, it's mixed the mixed use thing. Right. But it it's like kind of creepily like almost like a Las Vegas version of a city. Exactly. And yeah. it's high end. It's like, oh honey, <laughs> run down to the Mac store and buy me a computer. I mean it's very <laughs> weird because yeah. but and they and they pipe in um Frank Sinatra music pretty much exclusively. It's <laughs> really so creepy. And it's outside. So if you rent these apartments, you're listening to this canned music, you're watching thousands of people shopping, and it's a high-end mall. It's like got the you know some uh-huh. expensive stores. It's not the highest end, it's not like Gucci, but yeah. but the point is it's like so all these people are walking around just in this haze, and they're all made up and dressed in their best clothes that they bought at the mall and <laughs> and so I find this I, I don't know is it comfort I find no I don't I don't know what it is it's almost like I'm visiting another place it's so unfamiliar because I grew up nothing like that you're like a mall anthropologist maybe yeah <laughs> but for some reason I'm just like if I'm at odds with what to do and I, or like I've got writer's block or I'm waiting for some tech thing from my editor and I just like I gotta get out of the house and um sometimes I'll just go yeah and but I do find it if I'm there too long and if I'm in the inside part my head actually starts to hurt because the lighting (laughs) and then I start getting like really bummed out just seeing everyone on their phone I can't I can't stand it (laughs) but I use my phone too yeah right I'm not a Luddite we're all yeah complaining about the screens but like what would we do without them i know yeah i know but you know i was in joshua tree this weekend and um i made a vow i said no news and no laptop and i i found myself checking in with myself a few times like just like wanting it craving it but then after a few hours it, it ceased and then by the time i got back here to la I didn't want to be on the computer at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, we can actually rewire ourselves. We can actually do this. Yeah. It's just a little uncomfortable at first. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think it is about screens that like captures our attention, keeps our attention? Like, you know, how, like, what is that process like for a viewer that, that gets them engaged in that way? Well, I mean, I guess it depends how we're using the screen. Like, I mean, I think with um, movies and TV and, you know, binge watching series, it's just our desire and love of, of narrative and story, maybe, that we just mm-hmm. all love stories. and Yeah, but you can get that from a book or yes, text, right? Yes, or listening can. just to right. a story, but... With screens, it, it is this other yeah. mode of input that just seems to be able to... Maybe it's that we want to feel like we're part of something, you know? I don't know. I mean, I put on the radio when I'm cooking because I love the music, but it's also kind of just functions as background music, and, yeah. but it's like my local radio station, yeah. and I feel like I'm part of that community, um, so maybe when we log on to our social media, I think that's definitely like part of the community. And that's something I've, I actually act to actively quit because it took an unhealthy turn a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I found myself 
you know, with my kids in a beautiful spot in Death Valley during some super bloom. And I started, you know, taking photographs and making them. And that's something I've been doing forever, my practically my whole life. But that wasn't what it was. It was like what I was going to post. And you mean you were like thinking about how right, am I going how, to capture this yes. for the Instagram? Yes. As opposed to what do I want to capture for myself as an artist? Right. Or what yeah. about, and what really got me is like, what about just being there with my kids and just being present and being in the moment? And I realized that I was more living in my virtual world than I was in my actual world. And it was escapism. And I think the screen does that. I think it's something just hmm. clicks in our, in our head uh, that, that says, okay, you're, you're in this. You're in this screen right now. You're in this news article. You're in this social media. You're in this message board. And it's really hard to stop it. Yeah. And when we do, we can feel actually a physical withdrawal, like, oh, you know, now it's different. Now I'm here in the real world. The real mm. world isn't really that easy sometimes. Um, and, and this, you know, our screens are, are easy. We can totally manipulate it. If we don't like what someone's saying, we don't ever have to follow them. Or, so it's a little more controllable than yeah. the actual world around us. It's absolutely more controllable. But, but interestingly, I found that... Um, I stopped, I quit Facebook and I went private on Instagram, which immediately like just really mellowed it out. I post every six months on it maybe check every now and then, but um, that it actually helped me um, in my life in ways that I can't even measure at this point in terms of focus and clarity and just being present. Yeah being present in the yeah. moment and not wanting to escape the moment, yeah. you know, and I think that we can, there's so many ways this culture gives us to zone out, to block out the feelings. Um, screens are, are probably the most insidious, but maybe alcohol and drugs are right. worse because yeah, <laughs> they actually yeah, right. have, and, and, and also I, I stopped all that. I mean, I've, um, haven't had any intoxicants since, I don't know, a couple months after I quit Facebook. So I can't, and I feel great. I've never felt better and more present in my life. Hmm. And I realized that, um, it wasn't like there were any, um, horrible bottom issues. It wasn't like, you know, you hear tales of you know, drug abuse and alcohol. It wasn't anything like that, but I realized like, wow, I'm actually not present. Like, why do I need to have that glass of wine? Why do I need to partake in this or that at a party? Yeah. Um, why can't I just enjoy it right now? Or why can't I be okay with feeling sad or having a stressful day and just know that that's going to pass through too? Yeah. That's sort of like a mindfulness practice. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it's weird because now that, you know, when I think about the order of things, I sometimes wonder if, if one would have been possible, wouldn't have been possible without the other, or they go hand in hand, you know, Wh which things go hand well, in hand? Well, like quitting social oh, media. Right. And quitting and, drinking. And, right. Well, yeah. Cause yeah. it's all, takes you away from the present mm -hmm. and, 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 um, yeah, 
I don't know. They both kind of capture your attention. They capture yeah. your money. They capture... Mm-hmm. They're taking a piece of your bandwidth. They're taking a piece of your bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your privacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you think there's something special about, like, the visual images? Like, whether they're photos or, you know, moving pictures, films, like... Is that a special category of things that we get on a, on a screen? Does it have special properties when it comes to our attention? Probably. I mean, I think, you know, there are... It's funny when you look at what goes viral. Like, it could be like a five-second clip of what well, you said, the dancing alien baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. And just like, huh. That's really fascinating that that could have 400,000 people watching that over and over again. And yeah. like, why is this so wonderful? Um, I think, again, I think that's something that might just be innately like part of us. I mean, think of like some of the first photographs that ever were, you know, the horse, you know, showing the horse galloping uh-huh. where you, you could for the first time see that all the feet were off the ground, you know, yeah. the Moy Bridge. Or certain, um, you know, early photography or certain trick photography people were fascinated by. So maybe there's just an element of novelty to it mm-hmm. that we're all like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Um, there's probably schadenfreude in it, too. Just like, oh, look at that guy just you know, fell down his stairs and his pants came down. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why is that shared half a million times? <laughs> You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think people, it's easy. Yeah. And we're also just, like, really visual beings, right? We, like, yeah. process a lot of information totally. through our eyes. And, and, I mean, that kind of then makes sense that if you can create something that attracts visual attention, then that's going to be, it's going to be hard to, hard to, you know, remove yourself from that especially because like you know you if if there's something moving like i, I don't know, i kind of think of it from an evolutionary perspective yeah. like you know our ancestors you know they're on the savannas of africa or whatever if there's something moving like you should probably attend to it it might be fitness relevant right, right? it could be a, a predator it could be um something you could eat it could be you know another human that yeah. is coming to do you harm or um try to have a positive interaction with you or it could be your your child like there yeah. you know if things were moving and in your visual field they probably sort of deserved attention in terms of like being relevant to absolutely. you absolutely absolutely yeah, and I think it's also just, I mean, I don't know what to make of all this talk of how our attention span is getting shorter. Um, again, I think that that's kind of learned mm. in a way, like we're we're allowing it to happen. And it's like, the, yeah. this is... So, so like, what is what has happened in terms of film? Like, have yeah. there actually been like quantifiable changes mm. in the you know the cuts and like mm. that you know the speeding up of things is that yeah maybe well, you can give a little like background on that, that sure yeah. well i mean I, I i can't speak for the you know entire history of cinema right now but but over time of and especially sped up recently um on the timeline of filmmaking uh yeah edits have gotten a lot faster um there's a lot more um 
there's a lot, well, certain types of films, there's a lot more explosions. Um, the pacing is faster. Mm -hmm. They've also gotten incredibly violent and visually so. Um, obviously not all cinema, but even just like, say, just like a romantic comedy made now compared to, say, 30 years ago, mm -hmm. you're going to have a montage with like lots of rapid cuts and, you know, just, you know, a series of shots, montages, you know, that mm -hmm. are just rapid fire. Um, and I don't know exactly who decided that that has to be, because it used to be just an effective film technique to kind of grab someone's attention, but now it almost seems like it's the de facto technique. And um, I was, you know, in terms of science fiction, um, that's really the, my genre that I, I love the most and um, made a few films and made a thriller film, a feature called Perception, um, where we deal with, things that are not of this world. Um, we have to suspend some disbelief. And I am influenced greatly by some older films and some European films where it is slightly slower, where you don't have to have, you know, crazy fast cuts and ratchets and booms and, you know, yeah. sound effects that are just like blasting the viewer because I feel like that that can be um, really just distracting and also pandering um it seems like also you know if a movie is cut so fast it's almost like as a viewer you don't have any bandwidth to be processing what right. you're seeing and what you're feeling with it no film. it's like and, a video game yeah. basically i mean i took um my teenage son to see 2001 on the screen at the santa monica uh, theater they were, had a remastered cut and I've taken him to see several films and, you know, he's a teen boy and he's, he really, I was a little concerned. I was like, I really wonder what he's going to think of this because it's so beautiful. It's so slow. And, um, he really liked it. And you're like, Phew. yeah, <laughs> and he really liked it, but he also yeah. really likes, you know, the Transformers and he likes Mad Max and, so, but then he also liked Arrival, which is another slow-paced and, you know, there's no... Yeah, very thoughtful. Thought, yeah. It's thoughtful and there's no war at the end where Earth is obliterated. I mean, I love those films too. That's just like brain candy and eye candy to me. I mean, the thing. So I, I, I feel, I guess my point of bringing up him was that I don't know why they feel like that's the only way to make a movie these days when mm. clearly there are people who can appreciate slower paced, thoughtful things. And I feel like if we just keep this up, I mean, I saw Endgame the other day with them. And at one point I had to like close my eyes and look down. There were so many things on fire I, I lost track. I was like, what the hell? Like, I was like, is the theater on fire? I mean, it was just so much. And I didn't, it didn't have yeah. to be that way. Yeah. So I don't know why. I, I, it makes me, it, it gets me a little frustrated that all this content is being put out there and we're constantly being told, like, it has to, you know, this is just the way it is. It's fast cut, violence, sex, 
you know, blah. but it's like you're they're just assuming that that's what everyone, even teenage boys want. And it's uh-huh. not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. There's manipulation going on. And I don't know what the end is, like what what they have to gain by by making films yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly does sort of just play into this. Like there should never be a dull moment where you're not being stimulated with something which is part of the whole like smartphones Mm -hmm. social media checking this and checking that there's like no downtime right right like if you are waiting in line for the bathroom or if somebody that you're having dinner with gets up to go to the bathroom like you know I do it. I will take out yeah. my phone and I'll be like, right. what? And it's like, why am I doing that? How come why? I can't just sit there and be yeah. like, I have a moment to consider and enjoy where I am right. and be with my own thoughts. But well, right. Yeah. And why, why can't we just be with our own thoughts? What yeah. are we scared of? Why? What? What? It is a habit. It's a reflex. And yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it, the awareness that we have of that is the first step. And I know more and more people are becoming aware because it doesn't feel good. I actually feel like we're at a new, I think we're at an awakening of sorts. And I think this is the beginning of a new era of, of um, awareness that people are being hooked into these devices. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gone mainstream yet, Yeah, but... Um, it's definitely happening. I mean, I'm having more and more conversations like this. I mean, my dear friend, she's a neurologist and, um, you know, she sat, we sat down across the table from each other in December and she was like, I, I really need to figure out how to stop this. Really? Yep. And, and she was as serious as anything. Mm -hmm. She, you know, and I was like, well, let's come up with a plan. Let's figure out how we can stop this. She goes, I'm in it. I'm, I'm on the news. I'm scrolling the New York times at 11 PM in bed. I'm like, well, why would you do that? <laughs> That's yeah. like asking for trouble. But you know, serious people are, are realizing that we are part of what's perhaps the biggest brainwashing experiment <laughs> on planet earth ever. Wow. I, I honestly believe that. Hmm. I really feel so. Like, so, what do you what do you think is going on, like that is leading to to the mass scale of it? Like, what's is it just the the business interest behind social media? Yeah, I think to, the money. Yeah. I think the algorithms took over, and um, the algorithms were built on engagement, and they were built on eyeballs being on the screen as long as possible. Right, because that's what sells the ads. That's what sells the ads, and the ads came in, and um, that's how they make their money. So, you know, the the part that really spooked me, and this happened, um, I think, right before I decided to quit, were when it came out that Facebook was doing those psychological experiments with people's news feeds where they would uh, plant psychologically disturbing articles and then they would click them or they then they'd gauge their responses and then you know they'd see what would happen like well what's where will that lead them and then if you're in a heightened state of stress or distress you're more likely to buy something that will help you feel better or maybe yeah you know 
you know, post some, some other type of content that leads somewhere else. So just the, the, the notion that they were doing these experiments, like, I can't believe more, I can't believe like a billion people didn't <laughs> quit. Seriously, yeah. after hearing that, that is so messed up. And um, really, like, yeah, no, it's, it's they're like bad they're actors. Like our brains. Yeah. Right? And yeah. we just happen to allow our brains to get hooked up to our devices in yeah. such a way that they can poke our brains like, they're poking yeah. the brains yeah. and they're they're seeing what you scroll on i mean even netflix when i'm watching something on netflix i read that there are people that analyze where you stop where you pause your your film or tv show they they know which shows you don't finish watching they know at what point in time they know how to start a film they know how to what to put in the middle. It's all graphed out for for engagement. Huh. Every single thing is mapped out, and they're tracking you. So obviously, I'm okay with a certain amount of tracking because, like, I do enjoy Netflix. I mean, yeah, I just finished watching uh, all of Star Trek: Next Generation with yes. Cormac <laughs> on it, and that was my second time watching. And then we also watched Voyager. So this took place over a couple of years, and we watched every episode together, and it was a bonding, wonderful thing. So like, I I am so grateful for Netflix for that. So yeah. I'm not like trying. I'm right. not doing a bashing of technology. Yeah. So I accept that they know very well that this is a sci-fi family. Right. You know, yeah. so the choices that come up on my account, like, are as different as you can imagine from, say, my friend in New York who watches, you know, documentaries about obscure Danish artists. I saw her account. I was like... This is Netflix? Like, what are these shows? What are these films? <laughs> like, yeah. like, they would never show yeah. up on my yeah. feed. Well, and, I mean, on first pass, right, that's good because you get to see the yeah. things that you're more likely to want to watch. Exactly. But then it does, you know, it, it does just feed into this whole, like, echo chamber kind of thing, yes. right, where you end up you know, showing that you're potentially part of a, a group that likes these kinds of things and you just get grouped right. with all of them and then yeah. you stop seeing as much of the world. Right. you've showed that you have preferences for seeing only certain parts of the world and then the algorithms show you the parts of the world that you've indicated it's, you would rather see. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of a trap. But I yeah. guess I could just find out a name of some, you know, strange film that whatever, you know... Yeah. And, and then get a new feed. But yeah, no, it's so it's it's weird. But yeah, the manipulation. I mean, I one thing I tell my boys, I, I say, you know, these companies make money on hooking you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it comes to cigarettes, they did that with when I was a kid, there were still like cartoon ads for cigarettes because they knew. Wow. Well, you know, like that Camel and Joe Camel and a couple others. And they were marketing because they knew they had to hook the children, the teenagers to wow. be create lifelong customers and addicts. And it worked. So then, you know, they came, yeah. stepped in with you know, some regulations, but the same is true for cigarettes. 
vaping, alcohol, and social media where or technology really, they make money on hooking you. And um, I mean, I'm hooked. I'm an Apple customer. I've like synced my life with devices. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, hello Skynet, you know. <laughs> but um I love the machine. It's a great operating system. It yeah. works for me. I'm you know, I do editing on it. It's just yeah. perfect. So like I said, it's there's this uneasy tension I have, but I guess I'm just doing what I can to not be, you know, a a, a zombie, yeah. <laughs> you know, to not be the person at the mall, like with my head down like that, looking because right. I have 30 seconds before the person I'm meeting right. shows up. Yeah. So how does this like affect or feed into your process as a filmmaker? Like mm. this you know, changing relationship with screens that has yeah. been happening, like, for you personally, but also you seeing it more generally yeah. in the people around you over time. Like, that, does it affect how you approach your work or? Not really, you know? no. I mean, I mean, I guess when I'm in, like, full writing mode um, and you know, I'm, I'm writing on the screen. So my face is there all the time. Uh, likewise, if I'm, uh, in an edit session or even on set there, I'm surrounded by cameras and screens. So I feel it's like, I love it. Like that, that whole part of it, these are useful tools and, uh, that I can get my work done and I feel great affection towards the machines and the technology. And this film I made back in, um, called We Are All Cylons, um, I, it's about AI and our relationship to it and our evolution as humans uh, as we enter this new uh, era, basically, um, with the advent of AI and programming, um, that I put myself in the mindset of a computer in order to edit the film. Really? Yeah, I pretended I was an artificial intelligence and how would an AI tackle this material that dealt with, um, you know, characters in a show thinking, believing they were human, but then actually finding out they were machines. So I was really fascinated with the overlap of, of, you know, being a sentient being, you know, where, where does that line happen? When is it going to happen with machines? Yeah. Well, and then there's all this stuff about like the predictive technology, right? So if you are, you know, typing things into yeah. Google, like Google can guess what your next, you know, word is going to be. Yes. And like, if you're like typing text and I know there's like some setting you can turn on where it'll like, auto fill your text have stuff. you found that it's helpful do you know i like i just i turn all that stuff off just because it creeps me yeah. out yeah i'd like i would rather type a little bit more than yeah have it it just yeah but there i think there's this really interesting question of like well you know if your your sentences are getting auto filled like are you deciding what you're writing or is mm -hmm. the algorithm deciding what you're writing? Yeah. So. I would say it's the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. So then, like. Right. How much of us is, like, becoming a robot or. Yeah. Like a, you know, 
algorithm that is not in our brains if we have outsourced yeah a lot of things to our devices well it's like definitely that. the early part of the fusion process for sure <laughs> it's, it's right there but you know when you think about it that it's some tech bro in you know san francisco that's writing this algorithm that makes me uneasy too mm. like who the hell is he to be telling me thanks got the email exclamation point like what <laughs> like i wouldn't write that <laughs> that's not not my voice yeah but then if they can like scan all your emails and figure right. out responses that would be in your voice then yeah is that better or worse well i think they're, they're all it's probably worse i mean they i think they are capitalizing on the fact that we like the path of least resistance for the most part i mean i've toyed with the idea for sure of like getting a Tor browser, my husband uses that sometimes, um, getting this email, I don't remember the name of it, but it's a server that's like totally private and, you know, they know spying, but you, know, you have to set it up, then you have to email, you know, 500,000 people that yeah, already have right. your old email account. Yeah. You know, it's like switching from a big bank to a credit union. In my dreams, I'm like, yeah, one day I'll get rid of Wells Fargo, those <laughs> bastards. But, <laughs> but oh gosh, what a pain in the ass. So, yeah. you know, the friction. yeah, oh, the friction. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then we find ourselves kind of just gliding through and being like, hey, I'm all right with that. Not all right with that. There, I'm going to draw the line. So, I guess we just draw, where do we draw the lines? Are we hypocrites if we, if we're a vegan, but we still bank with Wells Fargo? I mean, I mean, do you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, it is, it, it is hard to, you know, find the path through that, like, lets us have the benefits of technology. And there are a lot, like, there are so many amazing things that we can do yes. with our electronic devices yep. and algorithms. I mean, it, it is literally, you know, the power of information and decision-making, right? And so, obviously, we don't want to give all of that up and, no. you know, go and live off the grid somewhere. No. Um, but then how do you take those things that are positive yeah. and keep them in your life or incorporate them in your life, but... Control. Yeah. I think we have to be controlled. I mean, I love my phone, and for mostly for the utilities that I have on it. I've got a um, scope on my phone where it's like a viewfinder that, that will show me what a shot looks like. Mm. It's, a, it's an app. Yeah. I mean, it was not cheap. It was probably, I don't remember, but yeah. uh, $20 or something, which I guess for apps is kind of high. Pricey, yeah. But my gosh, now my phone is like this amazing viewfinder. Mm. And that's incredible to me. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And I've got this amazing weather app where, you know, it's like satellite mapping. And so I don't know, we just find that and just maybe start thinking of the phone addiction as, as we would any other addiction. Like, would you be shoveling, you know, hot fudge sundaes in your face 20 times a day? Probably not. Would you be drinking, you know, a bottle of vodka 17 times a day? Probably not. You know, I'm going to light up the bathroom 
bathroom, let me take, take out my vodka. Right, and not put But But seriously, yeah. maybe we have to start thinking. Maybe we have to really start nurturing our mental health and our presence and our awareness the same way we would not eat, like, tons of junk food or we try to get enough sleep or, you know, I yeah. mean. right. Like, yeah. really start thinking of the phone as a tool and not something that is just... It's like a comfort. Like a, yeah. It's like a, you know, you pick it up and you, the moment you pick it up, you are no longer having to deal with whatever is yeah. going on for you and you're just like, oh, right. now the screen is shining back at me and right. I'm comforted. Like, <laughs> so, why are we so bored so easily yeah. as, a, as a people? Why? And isn't it okay to be bored? Yeah. Isn't it okay to just... Just even be uneasy, like just like if we just stopped, say, okay, yeah, what am I gonna think right now? What am I gonna do? (laughs) Just like let that just course through us. Just you know, just take a breath. I think I think if more people maybe just, and I'm not saying I have the all all the answers. I pick up my phone a hell of a lot too. But what I try to do, just sometimes, just take a breath. Yeah. And that's almost enough to just say, okay, I don't have to give into this craving right now. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to. Yeah. And that becomes scary thinking about like if kids are growing up without learning how to regulate that and they have the access to that immediate gratification of the screens all the time, yeah. like, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing it's harder to develop that, you know, that like knowledge, that, you know, internalized sense that like it can be okay to be by yourself and without a screen for. And and, and just to teach kids um, other ways to Mm self-soothe, you know, um, that they don't need the validation of a like on social media that they don't need to see what's happening right now it's not soothing it's actually causes grief and depression you know mm-hmm. over time and the comparing and stuff you know that taking a walk having some having a tea take a bath i mean you know obviously scaled to kids in different ages but um yeah because i i feel like there's um a potential to obliterate the moment with hmm. with something that's out there yeah. and then we're robbing ourselves actually of being present and of just being in the world yeah it's almost like you you take fomo right fear of missing out and you turn it on its head so it's like well you know maybe it's not so much the fear of missing out of like something out there but it's the fear of like missing out on the moment that you're actually in right. the present that you are occupying yeah. right now mm-hmm. no absolutely and i also think i don't know what happened where people equated like having lots of outside approval was something that they needed mm. um you know, I feel like there's a bit of a tyranny of numbers that's happening that people say, oh, well, I only got this much attention, these many likes, and that's not enough. 
Mm. And it's like, okay, now when I'm in the desert and there blooms, I'll take a picture of my child with, you know, in the desert and send it to maybe the two or three people that I know actually truly love to see pictures of him. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's really satisfying. Yeah. That's enough. There was a time not long ago where that picture would have gone up on a site where I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of friends, you know. Yeah. Um, that was on Facebook. And I really wanted everyone to see that. So why? Yeah. You know, what What happened? I mean, is it just as simple as like we, so many people want to get be famous? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's like a shift like yeah. that. Well, you know, as humans, like, we are inherently really social, mm-hmm. and it's easy to, like, get us pulled into sort of status competition, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, who's the best and who gets the most, and, like, we're, it's just it's just right. easy to, like, get yeah. sucked into that. And I think, you know, Facebook and a lot of the other platforms, they have, you know, both of those things. They have, like, there's a channel where your friends are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah. whole like belonging, social approval thing, like you can get that there. And you know, you can see how much other people's stuff is liked. And right. you can feel competitive, you know, about who has but it's more so, friends or is followed more. But it's a lie. More. But it's all a lie. That's the thing. I mean it's not all a lie, but a good chunk of it is. I mean, I know this couple, this you know, these two women married friends and they had a baby and all that and they're posting photos of love. Oh, we love each other. I mean, just like the yeah. sappiest, most beautiful pictures of the three of them. And then I find out they had this like bitter, horrible breakup, divorce, yeah. custody battle while they're still posting these photos. Yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, well, I, that is like something so beyond my comprehension in terms of like living a life in public. Yeah. You know, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I should probably also say one reason I did also fall away from all that and quit was because I was getting, I got some bad attention from a very sick person who threatened me and my family. Oh my gosh. Um, through Facebook and wow. he had seen some of my films and it was someone we were once friends with, but you know, we had to stop seeing him obviously, but he tracked me down in many ways and like kept creating fake profiles and yeah. And wow, it became a, creepy. it was so creepy and it just, um, I mean, I would have stopped anyway, but that really underscored it in the sense of um, just feeling like, well, what am I doing? What, why would I put my picture of my kid up if there's this person out there that's yeah. like knows who we are? And, you know, and I think of, you know, there are a lot of vulnerable people out there, you know, who are probably off it for the same reason. Yeah. 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 So do you have a... Um an opinion or a perspective on like all of the, the like YouTubing, like the YouTubers, mm. like the people who I don't, I don't yeah. really, I mean, only in the sense that I, I see that, that my kids like watching 
people play video games yeah. and talk about them, which is just like a whole other level. Like they like to play video games, but they also really like to watch people have massive commentary. And some of these kids or young adults, they've got like a million or so followers and they're making so much money on their YouTube ads. So I don't know, I find it funny and ridiculous, but again, YouTube with their algorithms, they, they show you increasingly crazy stuff. Like when Apollo was um, young, he was into Thomas the Tank Engine and uh, be like, oh, Paulo, what are you watching? And, you, you know, you'd see Topham Hat and the train and the blue face. Yeah. And then I'd go into the kitchen then I'd come back later. And, and if just a few minutes, he's watching a live video of a train intercess smashing a car. What? And someone dying. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, boy. Okay. And, oh my god! Yeah, and then That's... Cormac the other day said that you know it was like leading him to some you know white supremacist videos, what? like because he had typed in some sort of you know taekwondo thing or something. But it was just like two leaps away from the worst possible thing, yeah, to like get the viewer yeah. wrapped up. So, you know, there's the other algorithm. But in terms of the, the people, the YouTube stars, I, I don't have enough bandwidth for that. I can't. Yeah. What do you, well, why? What do you I think? I mean, it, to me, it's interesting because, like, on one hand, you have all these people who, you know, are good performers in one way or another, right? Yeah. But, like, now have a way of, you know, reaching people. And people, I think, are wanting a, sort of more, like, a personal connection and in a way mm -hmm. you know they're getting that from these youtube channels yeah. but then on the other hand like you know basically all of these people who are doing this they're creating content so that youtube can make money off of the ads right i mean they're, they're getting money for the ad the you know people who are producing the content yeah. they're getting money for the ads right but youtube is getting their cut of that oh, yeah. too and youtube is really benefiting from the content that is being produced i mean sort of for free i mean i know they get ad revenues but yeah. like there are a lot of people who are producing yeah. content and not getting anything for Nothing. it so i don't know it just seems like there's a whole different world of like how content is getting made and consumed definitely and it's very personal and people are vlogging their personal lives and their stories and 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 i wonder it's like we did the technology bring that out in people or was it always something we would just needed to do and once the technology appeared we're like finally we get to yeah well i think you know people do have a deep need to connect to each other and yeah. hear each other's voices sure and see each other's faces talking and like all, all I think it can be really positive, especially yeah. if you've like some role models or like people who say have like, uh, you know, a positive coming out story yeah. that can really help a kid who's lonely and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I think they're, I mean, I've watched YouTube videos on how to like, you know, fix my voltage regulator. Right. You and know, that's amazing, right? Right. Like, all of that information is available yeah. online. Like you yeah. can, I mean, fix everything right right with a four minute youtube video yeah it's kind of astounding no it's amazing so yeah i don't know i mean i see here in hollywood there's um 
so many people who who still come to this town to to make it big and now there's this apartment building not far from here 1600 vine actually that's filled with youtube stars really yeah yeah like you should go check it out it's all like live there they just all flock there yeah i'm not so sure there might be some agency you know there's an agencies that represent these people now because they make a lot of money (laughs) so Uh they maybe just they put them there they have but but the point is it's like it's just another layer of of the business now Hmm. that's you know but most of them probably want like their own actual tv show or movie Uh would leave youtube in a hot second if that offer came around hmm yeah, it's interesting. There are like I I've, I heard from a friend of mine who went to a um, I think it was a junior high for like a career day, mm-hmm. and she's a professor. You know, she came to you know like talk about being a professor. And yeah, like, all <laughs> the kids wanted to talk about was like how when they grow up they want to be a YouTuber and oh, an God. influencer, and yeah. like that that's like what they're aspiring Ugh. to. And how old were they? I think they were in middle school. Oh, well, hopefully hopefully we're out of that. (laughs) That's so an influencer. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even know how those people get away with it. I thought you had to announce that you were making an advertisement, but they, I don't know why people trust influencers if they're getting paid to endorse a product that they, yeah, well, apparently um, influencers, like in order to, you know, get to the point where you're getting paid, like, I mean, you have to go through a long time where you're not getting paid. You're just, right. maybe you, you get some free stuff or you get a free ticket. And right. You, yeah. And you cultivate your following. And Yeah. There's this article, this resorts down all over the world are like complaining how so many people are calling them, asking them for free rooms, claiming they're influencers. Wow. And people with just like, you know, like a thousand people following them. They're like, that's not enough. <laughs> You're not getting a free room. Wow. Yeah. And how many of them are bots, actually, right? Like, you don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Bots, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your new EP? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's called Perception. It's a yeah. psychological thriller, and it involves a... Uh, it's about a real estate developer who is trying to reconnect with his dead wife and he encounters a storefront psychic um, because he's in a strip mall that he's uh, redeveloping. So knocking it down and they have a chance encounter okay. and uh, then they get involved mm. um, once she starts doing a reading for him. So it's supernatural, it's spooky. But I'm, I'm very much into um, alternate realities and presenting um, work that deals with more than we can see on a daily basis. Hmm. So things that you don't usually have coming into your visual field, like you like to right. put them on a screen and then... Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, and just I'm fascinated with... Um, the different levels of perception, well, the name is perception, but that, that we all have and, and uh, how we can actually decide how 
big or small we want our world to be based on our beliefs. Hmm. And, um, you know, there's some people that truly believe they that um, there are clairvoyants, that there's psychics, that there are people who have the ability to to tell the future, to, you know, intuit certain things or reach a spirit world. And there's some people who just absolutely debunk that. And I do believe that there is a spectrum of talents and gifts that we humans have. And I do believe that psychic powers just as an umbrella is something that can be gifted down as well as uh, nurtured and, and brought through. But I also know for a fact that like 95% of the people out there who claim they are probably not. And they just might have like really good intuition or they just might really know how to talk to people. So I wanted to make a film where we explore both sides, where we could see, where we could present it and let the people, let the audience come with their own very strong beliefs. Cause usually people have some sort of strong feeling about the topic and then figure out what we're trying to do here with the film. Mm-hmm. So that that's interesting. And um, the this whole question of like, you know, what really does it mean when someone like claims to be psychic or like says that they, you know, mm-hmm. have the ability to see things or perceive things that other people don't perceive. And yeah. I think, uh, I mean, there is just a really interesting question of like, you know, if you if you posit that there's just a range of perceptual abilities that that people have and some people are able to pick up on more things than others or integrate more information than others, then it seems like there's a lot of things that could look like clairvoyance. But it's really just about taking information from different places and bringing it together Absolutely. But and that ties back into being present and being in the moment and and listening. People take take it for granted. I mean, it's it's one of the most important skills we have as as humans, as communicators, is to actually listen to what someone else is saying. And I think um I I know we actually have someone who is a actual energy reader and he plays himself in the film and I've had done energy readings with him and it's a skill that he has developed over the past 25 years and he what does is, what does that mean exactly to be an energy reader sure well it means that he's seeing he's he's basically seeing you on an energetic level in the sense of you know I think he sees a lot in colors um, whilst he doesn't use the word chakra and he's also like super anti new agey, he, he is just so down to earth. You interviewed him. It's amazing. All right. J-Ro. <laughs> J-Ro. <laughs> anyway. Um, I mean, I don't want to. So you have a, a non new agey yeah. person who does energy reading. Yes. And has been And he plays the twisted version of himself in the film. So nice. he plays a bit more of a scammer and all that it's like so not that but but so just this idea that you know um here okay you walk into a room at a party right let's say it's like a small party let's say it's 15 people you walk in and 
There are 15 people in a room. You pretty much immediately pick up on the vibe of the room. Like what's sure. happening in this yeah. room? Is it filled with like serious, good natured conversations where there's like good witty repartee and you know, like some <laughs> chuckles and you're like, okay, this is a room I want to be in. Yeah. Or, or is there some like kind of resentment going on? Maybe mm. there's just like, people are really awkward. They're standing, you feel it. Yeah. You might not even like hear anything, but like you feel, feel the energy of the room mm -hmm. right yeah or like a tense board meeting or a, you know yeah right right you've been in those situations where you just feel it mm -hmm. so that's what he's honed when he does it on an individual level he feels he knows so like he knows if you're dealing with some relationship issue or because there's something that you're emitting that's that's coming out of the heart mm-hmm you really have to let him explain this, but this is my, just as someone yeah. who's been quote yeah. read by yeah. him. So, so I know it's possible. And I know myself that when I'm in a, you know, in a zone, in a good zone, maybe creative ideas are going to come more and I'm walking outside and out of the corner of my eye, I'll see my dad walk down the street. My dad's been, my dad's been dead for 11 years, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll see him and I'll mm -hmm. say, okay, logically, that's not my dad. Right. But your brain is taking these ambiguous cues and kind of interpreting it. Like right. At someone who's similar height or has a gait or whatever that right. is similar. And, or something. Yeah. But then I'm also like, why is my dad appearing to me now? Like, is there a message? Like, am I, like, what's the message? Maybe mm -hmm. it's time for me to ask a question. So yeah. I'll just ask him a question, you know, or I'll just say hi or I'll cry or, you know, yeah, I mean, any yeah. number of things. So it's like, that's what I mean. If we just stop and we're like, what's around me? What's happening? It's not all solid. It's not all green couch, wood window. Like I feel these things. I see these things. You know, yeah. what's this space between you and me right mm -hmm. here? Like, if I look hard enough, it almost starts to kind of mm. look like TV static a little. Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, our it's because our brains are part of, right? Like, everything we see and we touch and we interact with, like, we're seeing our brain's interpretation of that. Yeah. And that means that we are bringing things to the table every time yeah. we have any perceptual event. Or not bringing things right. to the table, right? Like so true. So yeah, know. we bring everything to yeah. the table. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you live in Arizona, so you obviously have great night skies. And in my time, the year I spent writing in Arizona in the northern desert, I was writing a science fiction film there, and I would lay outside and um, let my eyes adjust, and then wait, and then I would start seeing things in that sky that you don't just see if you're like, oh yeah, look at that. I mean, it would start filling up. Yeah. It would start filling up with stars. And then yeah. I'd see shooting stars and I'd see red comets with orange tails. And I'd see, yeah. and I was like, was that a UFO? I understand why people <laughs> see those things now. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, if there are things that are important to us and things from the, the past that are important to us, like, you know, seeing your dad or you yeah. want to believe that there's life out there, yeah. you know, for one reason or another. Yeah. Like, 
then our brain projects those things yeah. onto what the information that's coming in, right? Like, right. like every stage of our perception are like, there are, you know, sort of these decisions being made about how it's yeah. going to get interpreted and depending what our priors are going in, what we think we're going to see or where we are emotionally, like it changes totally what, where we are emotionally. Yeah. And what actually yep. gets to our brain in terms yep. of the neural signals. And I, exactly. And I, and I don't like when people shut that down. I don't like when other people say there's no such thing as ghosts or UFOs or it's like, okay, you know, I get it. Not everything that that you know you can't always expect to have everything be scientifically proven i mean i love hearing explanations from physicists that you know we can't be alone in the universe you know mathematically they'll say we can't be so or but but you know and all the the funny stuff you know the paranormal shows or the ghost hunters or whatever <laughs> yeah, you know right. i mean that's all it's, it's but i I guess it's it's bigger than that. It's bigger than like refuting someone claiming they see a ghost or a UFO or believe they can see the future or whatever. Because to that person, it's real and it's meaningful, hmm. and that makes their world bigger. Hmm. And I'm all about making our worlds bigger and not smaller. Because when our worlds are bigger, when we're open to stuff that we can't necessarily see or touch or smell. Um, I think that that leads to compassion and understanding. So sort of just being more open to the possibility of the world. Of yeah. Not just our world, but everything. Like but everything. Possible. And also be, be open to what other people believe. Like let that person, as long as it's not hurting anyone else, right. that's the main thing. Yeah. Like if it's someone's, fanatic religion where they believe something and believe in murdering people or oppressing people. I'm not down with that. Right. But if it's like, okay, you believe that, you know, this boat landed and came down with the savior and whatever, you know, believe it fine. Or if you believe certain things, I'm, who am I to say that what you're believing is not right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it ties into a bit with my mother who has or had, um, Alzheimer's, you know, she believed very much what was happening to her on a daily basis. So she'd be present and talk with me and, you know, we'd be like, like, how's your lunch? How's the tuna salad sandwich? And she'd be, oh, it's delicious. It's lovely. I love this meal. And she said, well, you know, Joyce, Joyce, she really, she messed up with the party the other night because... You know, I told her not to serve the chicken. And, you know, Joyce has been dead for 20 years. There was no party last night. Right. You know, so, but she was there. Right. Something was getting activated right. in her memories. And she so, believed yeah. that that party happened last night and she was telling me. So it took me, you know, many months to understand that the best way to deal with this was to talk as if that really happened. Mm-hmm. And just be like, yeah, that must have been really awkward that she asked you to serve the chicken, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And then so she to meet her where she is. Meet Even her where she is. You know, right? That that is a world that is of her own 
creation and she's right. the only one in it at that moment, you choose to go in there with her instead of trying to drag her. Out Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's actually has been the inspiration for um, several of my films. And, you know, because I realized that what my mother was doing was time traveling and she would genuinely leave the moment and say, be back at MoMA volunteering. Hmm. And she'd be like, I can't talk right now because I have to get back to the desk. But meanwhile, we were in her living room in the apartment. Yeah. And she hadn't worked in MoMA for six months or eight months. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, mom, I talked to your boss and she gave you the afternoon off so we can have lunch together. And she goes, oh, you did good. Okay, let's go. Hmm. So, you know, but she was there. Yeah. She was time traveling six months ago or years, decades. So I found that really um, inspirational in the sense that now... I have I have characters in perception. Um, our female lead's mother, uh, who was a psychic, kind of has Alzheimer's, basically, but it's never really addressed, and it's not clear whether it was the psychic powers that kind of made her. But she floats in and out of time, and in my science fiction films as well, the main character is doing the same thing. Because I think it's really fascinating to explore that as, you know, it's not necessarily a deficiency. It, it, if, it, if it makes them unpleasant and sad, then it's terrible. But if they're really just doing okay, then it's like, all right, well, they're just in 1985 right now. Yeah. <laughs> what are we, you know, it's, that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're almost sort of entering into the world and then like, co-creating it like you're yeah. like okay well let's tell a story together yeah. and you're you're playing this part with where you yeah. called the boss and right right like so I did you, absolutely and creating a new reality yeah together. and and exactly and you know some some people close to us would say oh well that's not you know that's not the old Mitch you know she's not really herself anymore I was like well you know She's just changing. And that's why, you know, at her memorial, I wanted to talk about the last, um, the last year, basically, whereas yeah. everyone, yeah. you know, talked about the past that, which is great because, but I was here, I was the one here with her in LA the last two years, um, you know, several times a week. So I saw it and I was like, I'm not going to leave out this part of her life because her memory is gone in the sense of any sort of linear progression, but her memory is fully intact. If she could remember, you know, a lunch and tennis date she had in 1992 mm. with right. <laughs> like that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Things are just a little bit scrambled or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Scrambled. Mm -hmm. Totally. But that doesn't mean that there aren't, pieces that you can still connect on and, and weave together and, and, you know, still be together in a right. beautiful way. And she always knew me. Yeah. That was a consistent, the boys were, you know, a constant. Yeah. Well, that's lucky too, right? Cause it's not that is always lucky. the case. It's not. No, Yeah. definitely not. Yeah. 
so that was lucky. Yeah, it was a little gift. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, she. I could only imagine. I think. I think the computer thing came came along just late enough because she uh, at the beginning of the her mild cognitive impairment. Um, I'd gotten her a computer, just a big, big old iMac, mm -hmm. and she had successfully done email for about a year, and she mm -hmm. did the MoMA thing and the volunteer, and it was all going really well until one day I came to the apartment, and everything was unplugged, the computer was like on the floor covered with um, a tablecloth. Oh my! And I was like, "Hey, what's uh, going on with the computer there?" Yeah. And she goes. There's someone who's figured out who I am and he's asking for money and I I I I can't I can't deal with it. I'm I'm really scared. He's gonna he's gonna he asked for the bank account, which means he probably has the bank account. So it was a, it was a traditional uh, phishing scammy email, probably right. from the Nigerian prince who yeah. asked for the you know right. your typical one. Yeah, and it it just totally short-wired her brain she just was like i cannot ever look at that thing again it freaked her wow. out but you know what like that's kind of amazing that because she in a way had a level of meta awareness mm -hmm. right like this thing that is happening is yeah. really dangerous to me and that yeah. like you know maybe i don't it was a, really good yeah, in a way. yeah yeah she survived <laughs> right so i was like yeah. oh my god because it's true. I mean, it's true. She could have easily just been like, oh, poor man. He needs help. Or, <laughs> or yeah. oh, yeah, I won the lottery. Or, right. Yeah. But she was able to recognize that something was really wrong. Yeah, about she was. About what was going on. And then unplug it and yeah. put it on the floor. And, and cover it, too. Cover it up, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. dead. Yeah. So that was it. It was yeah. done. Yeah. There was no more email after that. Yeah. It was like all done. And, um, you know, I assured her he wasn't coming after us. But, yeah, no, she got out of that. I mean, my, my friend Lara, her mother had, and she's still alive. And she is really checked out. And uh, she got horribly scammed um, by what happened was these people who work at pharmacies, some in her neighborhood, they sell information on who's getting dementia medication. No way. Yes, they do. And they, she became a target in mail, hard mail, because she didn't ever do the computer and um, got scammed out of several thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. That's so dark. It's so dark. It's so dark that someone, the, the, the most vulnerable people... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So that's, those are Satan's children. Right. When I hear yeah. stuff like that, you know, looking for the most vulnerable people yep. to try to manipulate them. I mean, that's like, you know, zombification, horribleness. Yeah. Right. Like, and, 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 and just it's, it is zombification and just yeah. this, what must be the mindset of someone who thinks that that's okay. Like it is on vacation. It's like, I'm out for myself. It's a doggy dog world. I'm going to, you know, I'm yeah. going to bite your throat before you can bite mine. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I get paid like garbage at this job and resentful. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, it sounds like we're making excuses for them, but yeah. 
It's terrible. Yeah. But so I mean that's awesome though for like going back to your film and yeah. like how you know the the sort of journey with Mitch played a role mm. in the the characters and I mean yeah. in a way it's also like a testament to this thing you're talking about earlier just like being open to what is happening in your life and like right yeah. you let that kind of come in and affect you and then affect your art and manifests now in this yeah. film that has a whole other dimension to it that's true there yeah no it's i that is i'm grateful for that and um there, there are a couple scenes that people were like that's that scene is really well written with the mother daughter thing i was like well thank you <laughs> that, that <laughs> came from a very special place but yeah. um yeah i mean she's there she's there it's um yeah i don't know i mean grief and and mourning it's 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 so personal and um but it's also something we all experience or will experience yeah so in a way it's also something that needs to be shared yeah yeah I, this i'm not sure how this sounds but i, I feel like it, it's something that we'll all experience if we're lucky, mm. right? Because, yeah. like, to grieve, you have to have a deep connection, mm. right? You have mm-hmm. to have that. And yeah. if you do have, you know, deep connections, then there will be grief and yeah. there will be, you know, a, a reckoning and a recalibration and, like, all of what comes along with then trying to you know, reincorporate into your own life when that yeah. person is gone. But there are also these kinds of like hidden gifts in those changes too, right? There so, are hidden gifts. Yeah. Not they don't always reveal themselves so so well. Yeah. But yeah, it's um I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm very much aware of when um I need to fall into that zombified state of that just like dead state. It's usually has to do with feeling sad and and not really wanting to fully experience that. And just to, and I say, I'm going to just binge some Scandinavian noir, you know, (laughs) detective noir stuff like right now. And I've got lots of Scandinavian detective shows that I like watching and, you know, but for me, I was like, I'm going to just wallow in it. And so I don't know. I mean, I want to be okay with that. I want that to not be a part of this feeling that I'm just, we're being taken over. Like I want to be, I like being at a point now where I can do that, where I can say, okay, I'm going to watch, you know, three Netflix shows in a row because that's what I need to do right now. Then I'm going to put the computer away. Then I'm going to do the dishes. Then I'm going to write. Then I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to be with my kids. I mean, you know, and it just be okay to be part of our life. Right. Not be consumed by that. Yeah, not so. be completely zombified by... Right. I, I mean, we do have a need sometimes to just, like, be distracted from yep. things. And somehow that 
you know, very easily just gets turned into, like, you've been watching for four and a half hours, and yeah. now the next one is autoplaying, right. and you're like, whoa, what's no. happening? And then it's already started, and you're like, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's then, hard to push uh, stop. Yeah. Well just watch it. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's also like, I feel like for me personally, that is still better than um, smoking a joint or having a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Or two, or whatever. Just yeah, it's okay. There's scales, you know. Mm-hmm. There's it's choose your poison. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> but you know, but just be be, you know. And I'm not judging people who do have a glass of wine. That's you know whatever they they need to do that. But to be aware of it and to not you know not let it take over you. Yeah. Not let a habit. Once something becomes a habit. I think we've lost some of our mm-hmm. humanity and some mm-hmm. control and we're just mm-hmm. like yeah on autopilot yeah. like you said it's like autoplay yeah right but I personally really enjoy having a glass of wine in the evening there and you know. for, but for me it's like I like I enjoy it and I savor it and yeah. it's like I'm I try to be intentional yeah. about it. So Well then that works. Yeah. That works because you're you're not downing a bottle a night. I mean it's yeah. like <laughs> right, right. Or compulsively, or would you freak out if there wasn't wine? No. I just like how it tastes. Right. Food and- so, you know, they're different they're different levels here that we're talking about and everyone has to come to their own understanding of what's controlling them versus what they control for like how is it serving you yeah serving you and making you feel good relaxed and it's you're actually okay yeah then um yeah if you're thinking about it see i was starting to think about it a lot and think about not having it so it became exhausting. Like the moderating became exhausting because it was occupying so much space. Mm. So it's like, but then there are people who, it's like you don't keep track of how often, say, you uh, eat popcorn or corn on the cob or a banana. Like, oh, I've had two bananas today. I can't have another banana or whatever. So if it's like something that's taking over, like a lot of people with alcohol, it's just they're not really thinking about it that much. Yeah. But with pot and booze to try to, for me to try to moderate, it was, a, it was, um, much like Facebook. I had to start moderating. So quitting was just so much easier, hmm. so much easier. It's like, oh, I don't think about it ever. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. and, and it kind of brings up this issue of like, you know, yes, what we need to do is figure out like, is what we're doing actually like, is that our goal? Like, do right. we want that? Um, and, but it can be really hard to distinguish between like, you know, is this thing consistent with my goals and what I really want versus like, I'm craving this right now, right? Like, those are really different kinds of things. Like, you know, is it a compulsion or is it something where you can be reflective and say, yes, this is what I'm choosing because it's helping me to meet my goals or enjoy this next hour of my life or, you know, whatever. whatever Goals are important is that you're trying to accomplish yeah. and, and just that like stop and think like is what I'm doing right now actually yeah. what I am wanting right on a deep level not but just we also a, need to be kind to ourselves too when we yeah. when we slip and when we say 
aren't always moving towards our goals because yeah. I think that that can be, you know, a recipe to berate ourselves. That's right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like not every day can be a productive work day. I think. Yeah, and I still like I'll go on my phone and yeah, be like, what am I doing? You know, like forty five minutes later, uh-huh. I'm like still. St- mindlessly scrolling but then it starts to hurt a little exactly yeah yeah you're like (laughs) so yeah i do think that being kind to ourselves about it is really important because the fact is there's so many things that are constantly vying for our attention and it Mm -hmm. it can be hard to keep i don't know keep that um ability to like you know, focus or constrain your attention so that it's only going on the things that you want it to go on. Yeah. It's hard to do that when lots of things are just coming right. at you and yeah. you know, so many screens that you can potentially be paying attention to. It's it's hard to shut all that down. Sometimes. Right. No, it really is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, Alana, do you have any, you know, sort of thoughts for like where things are likely to go with the, the future of all of this. It sounds like a little bit like, you know, you're at a point of sort of like some optimism that people are starting to wake up a little mm-hmm. bit to this and be like, I need to do something. I need to, you know, this isn't okay for me that you're, you're seeing that. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it amongst people I know and the people I follow and read um, but I don't know if we're a representative sample, yeah. honestly. I think because, you know, I I did not grow up with a computer in my house. And, mm-hmm. my, and my son said, well, mom, how did you check your email? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, uh-oh. Well, um, you know, I had a landline. Um, yeah. Like a real landline, not these fake internet service provider landlines right. that go out if the power goes out, like good old Ma mm-hmm. Bell. So, um, you know, I think my my friends and I were totally into tech. We use it for our work and the whole thing. But I feel like we might be like more willing to, you know, people in their 40s, late 30s, 40s, 50s are probably more willing to kind of step away and Mm. examine it. And because we also have kids that are like so into it. So Mm -hmm. we're probably like, this is scary shit. Excuse Uh me. Sorry, you're not cursing. No, you actually can say Oh, okay. (laughs) I should have told you that. Was that the first curse (laughs) the whole time? I think I said ass too. (laughs) Well, now you did. But, um, so yeah, I'm optimistic because I think this is also the generation that has a lot of power. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see how much more addicted people can get. I honestly don't right, see how much room in the day, right? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't see yeah. how much worse it can get. I mean, I see municipalities banning, texting, and driving, but right. I still see people texting and driving. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are dead because of the stupid phone. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. So I, I am, but I am optimistic because at least for myself and people I know, I feel like I've kind of broken free a bit. Mm. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, maybe Facebook does have to be chopped up and, 
and maybe there has to be new algorithms. Maybe Mark Zuckerberg could just walk away from his billions of dollars and say, you know, I think I'll just change this algorithm. Yeah, but the whole business model is built on ads, right? Yeah, it is, but so what? I mean, how much (laughs) money does someone need? I mean, I don't know. I I feel like there's a realignment that's happening society as a whole, and it's ugly right now, and it's, you know, there's so much nastiness and racism and greed. Um, But if we don't go the other way, if we don't become more present and more aware, then the world's going to end. And I personally can't believe that. I have to have hope. Yeah. I do. I'm a very optimistic person. Yeah. And I really see the bright side of technology. And that's why so into what uh, ASU, the Center for Science and Imagination does, because it's all about an optimistic view of the future through positive sci-fi, because, right. you know, as opposed to dystopias and Armageddon's and not that there's anything wrong with the zombie apocalypse. No, I love this. I love it as a cinema. You know, it's wonderful. But but no, but just like let's envision, let's start envisioning the upsides to technology. I mean, how great Mm -hmm. is FaceTime that you get to Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And how you know, how could we build a better platform for social media? Like what what would that be? And can we make it? Right? I think it's a great challenge for this next generation to like create something that serves our interests yes absolutely yeah i mean i bet people would even pay i bet people would pay five dollars or a year or whatever or a month Mm -hmm. to not have their privacy violated and psychological tests on taken on them Hopefully. Yeah, maybe not, though. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But, you know, I think there's also, like, a model for, you know, well, what kind of a, a good is, you know, yeah. this social media platform. And in a lot of ways, it's a public good. And so maybe mm-hmm. there's some sort of a public funding model for something like that where, yeah, you know. No, that would be yeah. amazing. And, and I think, I don't know, they're just, I think. Being okay with being with yourself and being with people that you are in your immediate environment. Like, be okay with that being enough some of the time. Yeah. Like, that's, it's really okay. In a way, you're expanding your world by by being with yourself and by just having yeah. a conversation with your neighbor or you know, taking a photo and sharing it with one person or even not sharing it at all and just sitting with it. Yeah. Or even not taking a picture. Or even not taking a picture. Exactly. And just thinking. Because we don't know where that's going to lead us. And that can be very expansive. Yeah. No, I like, I really like this idea that, you know, when we're on our screens, like we are missing out, like the fear of missing out is real, but it's yeah. that you're missing out on yeah. what is actually happening right. around you and the like amazing moments that yep. you don't have because yep. you're, you know, you're sucked into this, yep. this screen. That's... And one thing I have noticed since I've moved here, which is very interesting at these parties I've gone to, um, people don't use their phones Hmm. some of the ones that have like 
um, VIPs or some celebrities. And I haven't been to any of like the super fancy Hollywood parties, but like people are just, they don't do it. And I find that very interesting. So there's like new norms. A little bit. It would be like kind of considered uncool to take a picture of in one of those places without you'd right. be seen as kind of, I don't know, what's the word? Like a hanger on or a gauche or something. Yeah, it'd be yeah. kind of tacky. So yeah. I don't know. But then, you know, all these celebrities, they post a million selfies. So it's just this very strange thing. I think there's, I think people are still trying to figure it out, but yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. Yeah. But think we will find our balance i'd like to think we'll find our balance yeah i hope so too yeah. <laughs> well alana thank you so much thank you for sharing your brains Aww. with all of us <laughs> anytime <laughs> it was great to have you on the show i loved it what a blast thank you athena and if the whole world says that we're crazy we Zombified is a production of ASU and the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. Thank you to the Department of Psychology, the Interdisciplinary Cooperation Initiative, and the President's Office at ASU, also to the Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics. Thanks especially to all of the brains that help make this podcast. I'm talking about you, Tal Rom, making our awesome sound, Neil Smith, our illustrator, Lemmy, who is the creator of our song, Psychological, and the entire Z team at ASU. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're Zombified Pod, and we are Zombified Podcast on Facebook. Our website is zombified.org. And on our website, you can find our merch. We have Zombified stickers. You can stick them on your water bottle or your computer or wherever you want to stick them. We also have cool t-shirts with the zombified head on the front and it says zombified on the back. So go on our website, get yourself a t-shirt and support zombified. You can also join us on Patreon. We are zombified on Patreon. At the end of every episode, I share my brains a little bit. And what I want to share today are some thoughts that I have had about how our screen time and our social interactions have changed since the COVID pandemic fell upon us. So we recorded this episode before the pandemic. And at the end, Alana and I talk a little bit about 
FOMO, the fear of missing out. And it used to be that if you were not with people doing things that you could have a fear of missing out. But now, because all of us have to be self-isolating for collective well-being, everyone is missing out. And in a way, because all of us are missing out, none of us are really missing out because there are no, you know, parties or get-togethers or dinners or conferences even where people are getting together and talking and interacting with one another. So it's a really interesting time in that we maybe get a little bit more of a chance to be by ourselves, be with those who are closest to us, and take a little bit of a breather from always having that fear that we are missing out on something else out there. Thank you for listening to Zombified, your source for fresh brains. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there is something supernatural with you.